Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated to helping sales development professionals get better at their jobs and push the practice of sales development forward. This is a place for practitioners in the trenches every day getting it done, whether they're called SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, or others. It's a team charged with creating pipeline out of inbound lead activities and outbound approaches. My name is David Delaney, and I'm the host of the Sales Development Podcast. If you've got subjects you'd like to hear covered on the show or guests you'd like to hear from, hit me up via email at david at tenbound.com or LinkedIn or Twitter, or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you found us. Today, I've got the pleasure to introduce and to chat with the CEO of Kite Desk, Mr. Sean Burke. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm sure it'll be fun. We were talking uh, before the recording started. The you know, reaction to the Sales Development Podcast has been great. Um, we've picked up a, a ton of listeners, and um, we're you know, expanding with each um, episode. And you know, I've been a big follower of what you guys have been doing at Kite Desk, and would love to hear how you got involved with the team over there and, and started to um, you know, focus more of your efforts on sales development and helping out the managers and the reps with some of the products that you guys are building over there. Yeah, it was. Um, so the, the way I got connected with the team here was um, unbeknownst to me, some of the co-founders of Kite Desk were investors in my last company. They were invested in a firm and um, I wasn't aware of, that they were invested and when we had sold that company, I was approached to have a conversation with the co-founder of Kite Desk, uh, Jared Rodriguez. And we went out to a bar, we were having lunch, and like about 15 minutes in, I was looking at him and I'm like, Jared, this isn't a conversation, like, this is kind of an interview, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like, we know who you are, we've been watching you for quite a while, and um, we think we have some interesting technology and since, you know, everybody in Tampa knows about your sales background and how you've built quite a few companies, we'd love to get your idea on it. And um, if you feel compelled, um, be a part of the team. So that's how I, I met the team. It was completely, for me, it was completely accidental, but I think for them, it was a little bit purposeful. <laughs> nice, nice. And, you know, how did they, how did they, you know, begin to formulate the idea for Kite Desk and, you know, see you know discover a need in the sales development space for the kind of technology that you guys are developing yeah they actually didn't and and we didn't um so uh so is the story of a startup um most of them never end up where they begin but um the the early like really the co-founders were three technical co-founders it was um, jack kennedy jared rodriguez and a gentleman by the name of dave winsler who lives in vermont and what they had seen in the marketplace was this proliferation of cloud services and cloud applications. So you've got Google for mail, you've got LinkedIn for your personal network, you've got Box for your storage, you've got Salesforce for your CRM. And what they saw is like, look, this is going to be insane to try to keep up with all of these different cloud applications. It would be really neat if someone pulled all them together and gave kind of a unified interface where you can check your tweets, check your LinkedIn, check your email, see what's going on in all your applications in one area. So the first iteration of Kite Desk was actually a personal cloud solution 
that was really slick. I mean, it, I mean, the visualization of it was great, but it was a B2C, um, B2C application. You know, they released it, you know, had, you know, a little less than 10,000 users. And immediately they said, look, we're not B2C people. We're B2B. So they said, where do we, where do we take this technology? And, um, they decided to take it in the, in the sales area. And around that time, they started putting the first visualizations of what Kite Desk would be. And um, really, it started as a way that you could go to any website and see who you are connected to uh, at that company. So if I'm prospecting and I wanted to, you know, you used to work at Acton. So I, you know, if I was going to Acton, I could pull up a Chrome extension, see all the people that I knew at Acton. And then we had a strength of relationship measurement there that said, hey, you have a 75 um, ranking of a relationship with this person, you know, that's probably the person you want to get into. And so literally there was no application. It was just a Chrome extension. And from working with clients and evolving what they wanted, they said, look, we really need help with top of the funnel lead generation. And through many iterations of the product, um, we ended up um, with the Kite Desk product that you see today. So it it, it was a, a little bit of a long journey, but you know, the whole thought, really, the premise of it hasn't changed. Like our mission is all about taking data from all these disparate sources and use them to drive results. And I'll tell you this, you know, for sales development people, um, what I'm seeing is this evolution is that we're getting really close to this sales development um, role in, in department within a company to become highly predictable. And I think for VPs of sales, and sales leadership, having a predictable outbound lead generation team is extremely peaceful. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, of all the things I have to worry about, if that yeah. part of the business is, is set, that's one less thing that I have to worry about. And I'll tell you, if you look at like CSO um, insights and a lot of the reports, it's still the number one issue facing sales teams today is the lack of number of leads and the lack of qualified leads. And um, man, I would have thought by now we would have figured this out, but we're getting much closer. We are. And, and you know, you hit on a lot of interesting topics. And one is actionable data, right? Because we've got so much data out there that's, that's supportive to sales development. And it's kind of almost floating in the ether. And it seems like companies like yours are trying to figure out, okay, there's all this information out there. People are leaving footprints. The B2C web has started to figure out, you know, how to to make that actionable and in B in B2B, especially for sales development, it still seems like it's, it's a little bit uh, out in the cloud still. Like we, we, we don't have a, a, a centralized depository for making all the data that's out there actionable. And that sounds like something that you guys are working on. Yeah. We really focus on outcomes. you know, when we look at the approach to a sales development team, um, our focus with our clients and even our own team. I mean, we're, we're the best Petri dish that we have. So, um, we, um, we look at, we start with the numbers that we need and then we work back from them and see how we get there. And so you're going to, I mean, you're seeing a rise of a lot of terms like account based, you know, the SDRs, um, you even had like sales acceleration and all these things, but, I think if you try to wrap all this stuff in like one neat box, it's really we're at a time in sales where the art of sales um, 
is becoming lesser and lesser um, in terms of like not knowing how to figure things out. And I think the science of sales and the data around sales is becoming more and more. And there's even a book out now that I've just been fascinated with called The Machine by Justin Roth Marsh. He's a sales process engineer. And he's literally written a book about how you create a machine to generate sales. So think of it as almost like a manufacturing plant where the output's a certain revenue number. How do you use sales development, your account executives, and even customer success to just consistently um, push an output uh, of production out there and tweak the numbers? And that's something that just fascinates me. My my undergrad degree was in industrial management, and I got my master's in um, finance. And so for me, the numbers around, like if you can make sales predictable, I mean, dear Lord, every sales VP would be happy. They'd be like, okay, our forecast was actually right this quarter. I think board meetings would be a lot um, smoother. I think a lot of investors would feel much more comfortable. And for a long time, that was a panacea. But we're seeing that we're making in- incremental gains towards that end. And um, for me, that's extremely exciting. That sounds really interesting. I'll, I'll put a link up to that book on, on, on my blog. So if people want to check it out, um, you know, I think that that was the initial premise, right, with predictable revenue. A few years ago, Aaron Ross, you know, uh, breaking out the sort of the renaissance sales rep who was doing the prospecting, doing the closing, doing the customer service, breaking it out into specialization. And now that it's, that's, that's definitely taken hold, uh, that, that approach and having the SDRs and the closers and the customer success. Now it's a question of refining that machine, basically, and adding tools like yours and the architecture to it. Um, I think a lot of companies seem to miss that and they just kind of, oh, I, everybody's doing SDRs now. So, you know, let's hire some people and plug in Kite Desk and give them a data list and onward. <laughs> like, you know, uh, they miss the, the scientific aspect of hypothesis, experimentation, refinement, you know, that, that loop that happens. Yeah, I'd add another book to the, your blog post, sure. which for most salespeople, they're going to be looking at this like these are books that maybe never would come up on my reading list. But there's an unbelievable, unbelievably good business book called The Goal. And um, what it talks about is, you know, the essence of business is to make a profit. But the essence of leadership and management is to find bottlenecks within your company that slow down and impede the work that needs to be done to, to, to generate profits. And I equate that with this machine and even the work that we're doing with, you know, how do we make it where we know who we want to sell to? So think about them as the raw materials, right? You know, the accounts that we want to sell into um, and the picking the accounts is actually the first step to becoming predictable, right? So if you know that there are certain, you know, size of company that can generate a certain revenue amount, et cetera. This is where all this data comes in, right? So if you start with that premises, if we get really nail in to the accounts that we want to sell into and then have a consistent process that we test and refine um, day in, day out to generate a qualified meeting. And those qualified meetings then could do sales reps, which the CEB even has, has talked a, a lot about this in um, you know the challenger sale and now the challenger customer mm-hmm. about making a sales, like teaching your customers how to buy from you because the buying process with all the people that involve 
are is just painful. In fact, I think one of their stats is that 39% of all the people that are involved in the buying process regret even going into it because it was so <laughs> it was such a pain in the neck. So mm. if you can help teach your clients um, to buy from you, then if you 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 look start looking at this, there is a way if you're disciplined, patient, and thoughtful about it, that over time, what used to be, if you look at, the, remember the old sign charts where there was a wavelength and it would go up and down, that that wavelength starts to normalize out. And, you know, if you do this for, we found in like three or four months with an SDR function, that wavelength ends up becoming flat. And then you can start moving it upwards by doing the A and B testing. And I think for, like, the way I look at it for our company is, Right now, our inbound and our outbound, I do not worry about um, at all. I know that they're going to produce a certain amount. So I can get to spend all my time on refining with our sales team on how to help our buyers qualify us for an informed buying decision. And if it's right for them, it really makes sense. But it's really exciting. I, am, what, I want to look back on 2017 and just see how much ground we can make as a collective to achieving this end goal of having that predictable revenue. And I think a lot of it has started with defining what accounts you want and then that SDR function. So it's it's really a great time to be in sales and especially in sales software. I agree. I completely agree. That's that's so interesting. I want to make a shout out to a couple of leaders here in the Bay. Um, Russ Hurl and Cortland Smith were two mentors of mine and they both recommended that book and it's actually I already have the link on the blog um i would drop everything and at least get the cliff notes it's it's a little bit of a slog but finding those pinch points in the business with the goal of making money completely opens your mind to the, you know asking different questions and having different conversations especially with people further up the food chain in the company right um, correct and and as a sales development leader hey You've got your work cut out for you, right? Because there's a lot of different bottlenecks that are that that you're either walking into or are happening right now, and you need to really focus in on those and identify those and free them up. Um, the question I would have, as Sean, as as you built up your program, how long did it take you to be able to sleep at night, basically around the outbound predictability and the inbound predictability? Um, was it a long process or um, is it something that, you, you know, due to your experience, you were able to spin up, you know, pretty quickly? Yeah, I wish I could say it was my experience. That would, <laughs> that would, be, that would be awesome. Like, I, I wish I was that good, um, but um, I'm not. It's an entire team effort. Uh, we really committed ourselves to this process in March of this year. And by mid-August, in September, it became, um, from that time period, our, our pipeline generated from our SDR team increased 500%. And the differences between our reps in terms of their productivity became like normalized. Like right now, our SDR leader knows that if he hires a new SDR, within four weeks, they're at full productivity, which, I mean, you think about it. You know, just maybe six months ago, that was a four-month process, right? I mean, it takes a long time. But um, we found by just being super disciplined, A and B testing, understanding our value prop, understanding who buys, just being really, really 
focused on what works that we were able to do it in that time. And we've gotten, we, we took a more circuitous route to that. Now that we've had this learning, it doesn't take us, like when I work with a company, usually within three months or so, I tell them that you should be at this spot, but you gotta, you gotta be disciplined about it. You just, you can't do this haphazardly. So to get that level of predictability within three months, and the data is going back to the data. Without the data, there's no way you can do it. Like you, we couldn't have done this um, probably two years ago, maybe even a year ago, but, but now we can. And, and that's, um, that's great for all the people that are embarking in this sales development role and the sales development leaders. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a gargantuan task um, because as a, especially at a, as a sales development manager, um, you're spending a huge amount of time recruiting, uh, doing interviews, um, onboarding new reps, and checking the dashboards and making sure that everybody's you know uh, productive during the day and interacting with your senior management um, at the company with reports and things like that. So I always feel like it, there's a there's a new position developing on the sales development team that's you know more operations and uh, data focus to, to support the program. And it's kind of a hard sell, especially when it's a small sales development team and, you know, they're already putting out a lot of money for the manager and they're hiring these reps and they just need meetings. And, you know, you go to them and say, Hey, it's, it's becoming more complex than, than one person, you know, can handle necessarily it's almost like we need more of an analytical person to be running the, the, those uh, those disciplines that you're talking about. Our approach to that is to provide it in the analytics on what you're doing. So you don't have to have a person. The way I look at analytics is it should tell me what to do. It should give me guidance on what moves that I have to make and what tweaks that I have to do. I shouldn't have to have somebody analyze the analytics to tell me what to do. The analytics should just tell me, hey, Sean, this is plain as day. Like, your emails suck. (laughs) (laughs) Fix this email. Or, you know, this step in the process is clearly broken. So um, not everybody, I guess, is is fortunate enough to be able to do this within their own company. I mean, I, I literally can go out there, work with our product team, work with our SDRs and say, this is the type of information I want because I know that it's going to it's going to it's literally almost going to tell me the decision I need to make without me having to think a lot. And when you can do that, it gives you a lot of um, flexibility to be able to make quick moves. And um, that's really enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. So so your perspective is if you if you make the the analytics of the sales development system user friendly enough and, you know, uh, relevant enough to the sales development manager, they don't necessarily need another person to be sitting there analyzing all this stuff and, and running the AB tests and, you know, writing the, you know, just kind of the, the operations of it. It's, it's, it's plain and simple enough so that the sales development manager can add those, those iterations as, as he or she moves forward. Yeah. I mean, the standard analytics should just give that to you. And I call analytics, the unquenchable thirst. And so one of our approaches is that we don't believe that any standard report is going to work for all of our clients. And so our belief is that we need to be able to hand the keys of analytics to our clients 
and allow them to make adjustments regardless of if that that information resides in Kite Desk, if it resides in Salesforce, if it's from Google Analytics, if it's from even their financial application, being able to pull that information into one view. And like I have this picture and I'm going to draw it out because I'm going to do some speaking on this is I think now we have the ability to have an entire funnel conversion report that basically says, here's the accounts that you targeted and see it all the way through to, you know, the, the prospecting area through a qualified meeting all the way through a closed deal and then just see where your gaps are. I mean, if you look at it from, hey, we are much better at this vertical, our conversion rate for this vertical is 17% where our conversion of this vertical is 12%. You know, we either need to get better at this, the ver vertical is 12% or we need to just keep going after vertical that's 17%. I mean, that type of data is just extremely powerful to leaders. And um, I know for our management team, it, it's, it's, it's great for us to just stay really focused on who are our best clients, who we should sell to, and what do we need to do um, to make the entire sales process from defining accounts to close revenue as efficient as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's a few a few firms that I can think of that are, are kind of looking at the problem from different angles. Um, and they're looking at um, attribution of marketing spend based on what's giving them the biggest bang for the buck. But what, what you're saying is, let's take it beyond just attribution. That's just one piece, really. It's, it's, it's from the top of the funnel of selecting the accounts intelligently all the way to close one deals. How are things converting? And, and based on the information that we're getting from the funnel report, we can, we can then point our marketing spend and our SDR time in different directions based on what it's telling us. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be really interesting how this plays out because when you look at the marketing automation platforms, you know, you know, they, I think gone are the days of just spraying out emails to a ton of people that they unsubscribe in a certain amount. And like, I just went through, um, Jill Conrath has a new book that's coming out um, that, that says, um, I'm trying to remember the title, it's like sell more with less work or less time, something like that. And um, what she talked about is she went through this process of just unsubscribing from emails that somehow she got subscribed to. And I went through and did the same thing. And it is amazing how <laughs> much smaller my inbox is now because the majority of those emails, I don't even recognize anymore. They just go to a, a folder. Yeah. But then you think about if I can have an SDR team that sends out very smart, thoughtful emails that that's going to get me to be much more receptive. And it's just, you know, this, it's, it's just not the email. It's socially touching. It's also making phone calls. It's the entire approach. You know, Jeb Blount talks about that in fanatical prospecting. You just can't, you know, those teams that are out there just sending out emails all the time. Um, we just don't see that work. I mean, it has to be a blended approach to um, reaching out to these companies. And I'll tell you the research portion we're finding is much more valuable now. Like we literally have SDRs that go find out the issues that are facing our clients. And we use that information when we talk to the leadership to say, hey, were you aware that these four things are keeping your team from reaching their maximum productivity? And they're just like, how did you find that out? Like, <laughs> I didn't even know that. So it's, um, it's that deliberateness in 
putting yourself literally in the, in the shoes of your clients and understanding what they're like um, and the problems they have and then being able to share it back to them, which gets them very interested in having a conversation with you versus, you know, just a spraying an email of this is the latest product we have. I think we've gotten much more sophisticated in our ability to add real value in our outbound communications with um, our prospective clients. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, that's definitely the way to go. I mean, it, because people are signed up for all these different, um, you know, newsletters and things like that. It was the inbound marketing approach of just get the email and nurture them along until they become a, a lead. And, um, you know, that it's it's at this point, it's almost like antibiotic resistance, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're just getting so many of these things, it's got to be more personalized. Um, but how, how do you uh, make sure that, um, you know, the, the sales development reps are balanced between spending that time to personalize and put together a really nice, you know, custom approach and, and um, also getting on the phone and trying to reach people and, you know, picking up the activities um, as well so that it's not uh, just one or the other. You know, fortunately for me, I don't. <laughs> I don't have to do that. They're, um, they're really bright. I mean, they can figure, they, they figure this out on their own. Like, I think that, um, I think they would be insulted if I tried to tell them <laughs> how to do it because they do it way more than I do. And they learn very quickly. Um, you know, it's funny when I go in and I spend a lot of my time in art with our SDR team. It's almost week by week that there's a new massive learning that they have that just lifts the bar. And so through their experimentation and their learning and their failures and their successes, they've and we're not perfect. Nobody is like so we're learning a ton. But um they have found different things that have just increased the entire team's productivity uh, every single week, week over week. That um, so now I just I actually go in there and I learn from them. <laughs> and they make you get on the phone, right? <laughs> they do. I have no problems doing that. I'll get on the phone. I'll send emails. My my LinkedIn connections. Actually, somebody's on my LinkedIn account right now, taking a look at my connections. So they're they're trying to prospect into a couple companies. So I'm. <laughs> Completely accessible to my SDR team um, to try to help them be successful. That's awesome. And I, I think sales development leaders don't think about, hey, your sales development team is out there, you know, learning things every day and learning what works and what doesn't. And, you know, be sure to air that out at, at meetings and, and give them a, a platform. And then also write down, you know, what they're, what they're learning um, to, to use as, you know, blog posts and content especially with a company like Kite Desk, right? Because most of the people probably on your blog are, are in the sales development space. And so, hey, if, if somebody comes up with a good idea, um, there's, there's your blog post for the week or something like that. <laughs> it is interesting. You know, I've, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a, I listen to podcasts all the time. And there is this balance where if you find something really good, <laughs> a lot of people don't want to share because they don't want everybody else to do it. So this is, it's... Um, and then there's others that will just share everything. And so I find for us is, you know, before we share something publicly, we really have to know that it works. And it can't just be, you know, a week or two weeks. That's just not enough data. We really want to make sure that we have tested it in many different situations over different time periods, over different channels before we start um, sharing it publicly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. 
Um, no, it's it's interesting because uh, um, John Miller's new company, Gageo, has been putting out amazing guidebooks and, and content. I remember when they were doing this at Marketo too, and you could download um, you know frameworks for um, you know d- you know putting together different programs and things like that. It's been it's been great. Um, and it, you know, it's more. It gives you more of a framework, and then you can add your own spice to it. And you know, I look at the results that you've gotten um, b- between March and September. Um, you know, could you give us a, a high level, you know, overview of how you you got to that? Um, it sounds like you started with the accounts, used the data, uh, worked out the personas. Um, how, how, like, just from a high level perspective, how did you get to such an amazing increase in the productivity of the sales development team? Great question. So let me, um, before I answer, let me start with what my end goal was. You know, if you go back to Covey's work, you know, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Is I believe strongly that an SDR team can create predictable pipeline. And we built our entire platform with that end in mind, like we don't sell features and functionality. We, you know, that's not how we talk to people about Kite Desk. We talk about what results do you want and let's work together with our customer success team and with the knowledge that we've gained by doing this ourselves to get results. Because at the end of the end of the day, if we can show you results, that's all that matters. You know, if you're talking in your board meeting and people are saying, wow, you guys really turned a corner on this thing and the results are there. Let's just increase our funding. Let's increase our growth, et cetera. So that that was my premise going into all of this when we started it. So I'll go way back. It starts, first of all, with the SDR themselves. So we spent a ton of time understanding the dynamics of what makes a great SDR. And through trial and error, we literally have like dialed that in. Like our SDR team, I would not trade them with anybody. They are they are so inspiring to me. They, um, I mean, I love these guys. Like I just, I go in there and they're just so motivational. So just dialing that person in with the thoughtfulness, the, the wanting to learn, et cetera. So that's where you start. Then the second piece is defining which accounts you sell best to. And typically you can't do that until you've tried a lot and gotten feedback from the market. The other thing that I guess we're a little bit unique in is we can actually track in KiteDesk because you can find companies through KiteDesk. You can create targeted lists in KiteDesk and see what the qualification rate is on the list. So we're fortunate enough that we can actually know which targets and which accounts work because it all happens in our platform. Most companies can't do that. They're pulling a list from some other data source and bringing it in to their tool or they're doing it in spreadsheets. We're lucky enough that we can literally say this list had this profile of companies and we use this templates and this workflow and it had this result. So starting with those accounts, getting better at those and then just doing the work and seeing which messages, which um, touch points in which order um, gets the most response, and then and then literally looking at our analytics on a regular basis and say, okay, let's take what we learn from that and let's run it back through the system and see what happens. So right now, we look at the, the our percentage conversion. So we actually have a lead generation funnel, a conversion funnel, and our goal is twenty percent. So 20% of the accounts that we target, we want to have a qualified meeting with. And sure as anything, month in, month out, it's at 20%. 
or more. I mean, we have some fluctuations with performance and timing, and sometimes we do events and things like that. But I know that that number um, is pretty solid within our group. And then we just look at, you know, in terms of our own growth is how fast do we want to scale up that team? Because it's become predictable, right? <laughs> because, because it has become predictable. That's exactly right. And you right. can sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. At least with regards to sales development. That's one less thing to worry about. As a yeah. CEO, limiting the things that you have to think about uh, to focus on others is, is, is uh, it's very nice. Exactly. So you think about, you know, um, that, that department's doing well. They're okay. I just need to check in and go make sure that everything's going well. Um, this one needs help. This one needs help. It's, it's, it's almost like, uh, where's, where's the fire? You know, what do I need to focus on now? So uh, going through your process there, it's, it's like, hey, there's no silver bullet, right? I mean, it, you know, it's, it's hard work. You have to nail down the ideal profile of the SDR, a lot of trial and error there, and, you know, meeting lots of different people and making sure that you get the right person. And then you have to nail down the ideal customer profile and get the accounts that can sell to, and, or at least that's your hypothesis. Then you got to figure out the personas, who are we talking to in these accounts? I mean, you know, it's it'd be great if you could just push a button, but you know, it's it's a lot of work, and you you've got to be focused and disciplined. So, uh, congratulations though, on the on the increase. I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, our, our yeah. team's done a great job. Yeah, definitely. Kudos to those that, that team. That's that's awesome. Sean, we're bucking up against the hour. Um, this has been amazing. I just have one last question. What is next for you guys um, at Kite Desk or to keep the team predictable and keep the product fresh? I know you just came out with the Flow product. Um, you know, what's what's next? What are you working on in the next few months? We've filed for um, some patent rights on around the area of generating predictable pipeline that we're working on in the product right now is we feel that if we can deliver this piece of the puzzle for sales teams, knowing that it's the most important piece given all the research and all the issues that are done, it's the first step. Um, If you look at this, you know, if you want to go back to Aaron Ross predictable revenue and you do it by department, I haven't seen inbound be predictable. Like you can get a lot of leads, you can have a bunch of leads come in, but who who comes to your site and who registers is not predictable. You can have somebody that's buying for themselves and you can have a Fortune 500. So as, as a CEO, I look at that part and I say, maybe extremely hard to get that predictable because you can't control people filling out forms or people in other countries, you know, just filling out like sending bots and doing things like that. Like there's a lot of things that are out of your control with inbound. But with outbound, you can. So let's focus on outbound. And I do believe that over time, we'll be able to do, and others will be able to do the same thing with the actual sales process once they're in an opportunity stage. As they get better at at testing and trying to become predictable with that piece of revenue. And then finally, in the customer success areas, how do you keep your clients renewing, happy, and churn, uh, the churn low? And so if you look at those as three legs of a predictable revenue stool, we're focused on the first leg. Uh, I'm sure the customer success applications are focused on the third. And then I'm assuming that uh, Salesforce with Einstein and you know their acquisition of Relate IQ and some of the other uh, moves that are happening on the CRM 
are going to be working on that that third stool. And so once those three stools come together, <laughs> you've got a seat that there's going to make a VPs of sales and CEOs and boards very comforted that that team can can continue to like a production facility uh, turn out revenue. Now, uh, granted, this is I haven't talked much about the buyers and and buyers are unpredictable and they have different changes and things like this. But the level of unpredictability should drastically go down. Not that you're literally going to be able to say we spend one dollar and we get three dollars back every single time. I'm not proposing that will happen. But the fluctuations in what your return is should definitely um, decrease over time as we have access to this incredible amount of data that we use. That makes sense. I, I love the analogy of the stool because as those come together, you guys are really nailing one of the legs. The other ones are getting worked on by other companies, but eventually it'll come together. And if you haven't read it or or if any of the listeners haven't checked it out, the um, Challenger customer is really interesting um, in that um, you know, it's it's when people say decision maker, I almost like want to give them that book because it's like it's not it, this isn't 1992. <laughs> it's <laughs> things have changed. OK, and we, we have to change our approach to how we work with the accounts because um, there's a lot more people involved now and in trying to get it. think about the last time that you tried to buy something. I mean, you know, the, there's a lot more people involved and you got to approach the accounts from the perspective that. It's not just one person. It's it's a whole team usually, and there's a lot of different things going on, and you have to keep that in mind. So that's the one thing that's kind of unpredictable. That it's um, you know it sounds like you're really making strides to understand, but uh, yeah, you got to nail that at least the mindset of hey, it's not it's not just one person anymore or directly selling to somebody. It's a whole team. So absolutely great, great thoughts. Well, Sean, this has been awesome, man. We got some great resources um, that we can share with everybody. And I'm so excited to hear more about what's going on at Kite Desk and the technology that you guys are developing. Um, so keep us posted. And, you know, thanks for making the time this morning. I appreciate the opportunity, David. And I will. I'll keep you posted on, on the, the results that we have over the next few months. Great. Thanks. Have a great day. You too.